Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to the Falcons vs. Jets NFL Week 13 postgame show here on the Falcoholic Live. I'm your host, Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin, joined by my co-host today. He's Jordan Watkins at Big 75. Fella, Jordan, big, big, big dub for the Falcons today. Dominant performance by the defense. The offense didn't really show up, but luckily the defense had a, a, a heroic effort in them to uh, smother the Tim Boyle and then Trevor Simeon led Jets. Uh, <laughs> really should have had a, a defensive touchdown there at the end to really ice this away. Kind of, they got robbed out of that, but still made the plays to make it happen. So that's good. Yeah, you know, uh, so a couple of things here. First and foremost, whenever you play on the road, you just want to get out with a win, which they did. Uh, when they're nasty elements, which, you know, look like for the most of the game, it was pretty rainy and, and dreary. You want to get out there with a the win, and you know it's going to be a low-scoring game, uh, especially against that defense. So, no, kudos to the Falcons. Look, most important thing happened. Uh, one of the things with it, again, we got to see what the injury updates are going to be. Um, you know, I hope Nate Lamon's okay. It looked like he was yeah. standing right there with his uh, helmet ready to go back in. So, I think he was – you know, maybe we avoided something there. Again, a guy with at two ACL tears in, in college, you, you get nervous when they hold a knee. So yep, yep. hopefully he's going to be all right. You know, obviously it's, I think it's pretty obvious AJ Terrell concussion. Yeah. Um, and again, like I said, I've, I, I'm someone, I had a lot of concussions or a fair share of my concussions in um, my playing career. And you just never know how those are going to heal and recover. No. So I'm hoping the best for him. And, you know, I was looking at that uh, tweet from uh, Tori McElhaney talking about, you know, Jeff Okuda got his foot yep. stuck in the ground. I mean, I can go on and on about the turf at MetLife. Yep. Right. We like talked it's, about it's, it. We talked about it earlier this week. Yeah. Yeah. It's been taking bodies for years, but uh, someone did tell me that they showed, um, they showed that Jeff was celebrating uh, on the sideline after. So maybe that's a good sign that could, hopefully to yeah. avoid it, something bad, uh, which is good. And, you know, to close this whole little soliloquy that I'm doing right now, uh, one thing that I'm really tired of, and this is around not even just this game, it's around the NFL and just pro sports in general. I am tired of not seeing enough done for horrible officiating crews and horrible officials individually. Yeah. Uh, there's no reason in 2023, Angel Hernandez should still be calling Major League Baseball games. There's no reason that Scott Foster should be calling games at Chris Paul's in, in the NBA. If it is a personal thing, which Chris Paul referred to, there's got to be something done about that officiating crew today. And I would I would be telling you this if I was a Jets fan. I'd be telling yeah, this it went both ways. Fan, I'd be yeah. telling you this as a third party. That was a horrific, horrific officiated game. Yeah. And I say that in terms of not even just, hey, this call is a call, this call isn't a call. It was, where's the consistency? If you're going to set the precedent of this is a PI or this isn't a PI, you can't then all of a sudden layered on the game go against that, right? And, and, and I think we all know, especially with the challenge system that's in place, you let plays go through. Mm -hmm. So when that ball, when, so when uh, uh, Richie Grant comes in and you get that fumble, you let that play go because worst case scenario, you know what? If it wasn't a fumble, guess what you can do? You can bring it right back to the spot on the challenge. You cannot mm -hmm. do that, though, the other way around. No. So just just overall for both teams, like I said, I, I got to say, there's got to be more done to hold officials accountable 
in and in, in pro sports in general because that was ridiculous. Yeah, that that's you know that's a touchdown off the board because there was nobody catching him and he continued to run it even though it didn't matter because they called the play dead and um you know it it's brutal for that to happen and and we're gonna get into that too because I that was far from the only officiating mistake that was definitely the one that took obvious points off the board but far from the only mistake in this game. So before we dive into that particular rat's nest, let's uh, get a quick word from our sponsor, betonline.ag. Guys, the holiday season is off and rolling with the NFL in full stride and the NBA and NHL hitting midseason form. BetOnline is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info with up-to-the-minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. BetOnline is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports, and not just the big four. BetOnline has info available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that is played from MMA to international soccer. Whatever you could think of, guys, BetOnline's probably got it. So what are you waiting for? Head to that website, betonline.ag today, and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Uh, real quick, let's get, got a couple of uh, early donations here I want to get to because we're trying not to get underwater on these because they come in fast and furious, and we appreciate that, Absolutely. first of all. But uh, we got Latiman95 with the $2. What's up, man? Thank you. He says, as an anti-offense fan, this game was fantastic. Yeah, if you're a defensive guy, th- you probably actually enjoyed this one a fair amount. Uh, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. I loved I mean, it. If the defenses are both playing like actually really good football, then it's actually not that bad because the defenses are making splash plays. You're getting splash plays. It's just not scoring. So I I can I can sometimes like sometimes low scoring slugfests really aren't bad games. So I, I this one was just ugly, but like it doesn't have to be like a low score game doesn't have to be terrible. That's true. Um, we got Raymond with the two dollars. Soul place, soul pl- first place. F the Saints. Absolutely love that one, Ray. Uh, and then we got Noah C. With the $5, what's up, Noah, resident moderator? He says, I don't have enough bleach in my house for my eyes after that game. Also, can we talk about the refs? What were they smoking? Yes, we're definitely going to do that. And we got another one about the refs here before we dive into that from Adrian Russ. Thank you, Adrian, with the $2. He says, I understand the offense and Ritter struggled, but he played just good enough for us to win against a really good Jets defense. I agree. I mean, Ritter Ritter didn't make a lot of egregious mistakes in this one. I, I thought the overall game plan was kind of questionable but uh no interceptions got bailed out yes at most would have had the one int uh shout out to that elite defense jordan was also spot on with the bad refs yeah so let's talk more about the officiating you mentioned it i there was like one drive in the game where they called like six penalties most of them were pretty ticky tack calls like not great and it was the falcons were benefiting on that one and then they get down to the to the end zone and there's this obvious hold on on johnny smith on on that play and they don't call that. You know, they call all these like very questionable potential penalties, and then they ignore that one at the end. And that's just that's just one example. I mean, they were so all over the place in this game. I mean, it was it it, it didn't make any sense the way they were calling these plays. There was no consistency. It seemed like they were just kind of making it up as they went, and that's terrible for for the fans. Um, it, it's terrible football to watch too. Well, and and to that point, I, I get it. You know, obviously this is a TV product. But it's terrible for the players. I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, players will switch up how they play a game based off what is or isn't called, right? So if you have this that is holding one point and then it isn't holding another point, that changes and that messes with your mind of how you're gonna, how you're gonna block. 
if this is PI one play, then it's not PI the next play. That changes how you cover. And now, and especially, I'll, I'll put it this way for the Falcons, since obviously we're we're uh, covering the Falcons here, right? We know our corners when they're at their best, they like to be physical. So if you're telling me though, this one PI call is saying, well, we can't be that physical today, or actually, I'll turn it, I'll change it the other way around. This the first PI call saying, well, okay, we can get away with a little something today. Then, then the second call you get is now it's saying, no, we can't be physical today. What are you supposed to do? Right. So that's what I'm saying. Like, it's one thing of just being bad, but it's another thing to be inconsistent and bad. And again, for both sides of the ball, both teams, they were very inconsistent and they were very bad. Yeah, it it's just frustrating to watch. I mean, I, I know Jets fans were really pissed off. Uh, also, like, everyone be. was mad. Like, I mean, it was ba- it was very poorly officiated top to bottom and. You know, it, it it went both ways. Like it, it, there wasn't like it wasn't like the rest were favoring somebody and you could yell at him. It was just like they just weren't seeing the game right, uh, and that's the frustrating thing. They especially were just bad. When, and like, there's always going to be some inherent problems with the officiating. That that it's a subjective thing for the most part. A lot of these penalties are just sort of a you see it and you have to kind of make a determination sort of thing. I mean, we've all hold we've all heard the refrains, right? You know, there's holding on every play. A lot of defensive stuff could be called pass interference or whatever, but it's sort Mm -hmm. of like, does it rise to the level of a penalty or not? That's what the ref has to decide. And these are the professional refs and we have high expectations for their ability to determine that. And I, you know, this isn't like high school where it's like, okay, like maybe like the expectations are a little bit lower, but sometimes high school games are officiated better than the NFL. It seems like, I mean, I think the NFL just really overthinks it a lot of the time. I mean, we see these ridiculous catch rules. We see, the way they've litigated, you know, the the roughing the passer to to make it this just like disastrous penalty that that is so difficult to evaluate properly, where it's like pretty much any normal sack could probably be roughing the passer. Like, it, they the rule book is partially to blame, but man, like it it, it was rough out there today watching these referees. No, it was, like I said, it was it was just terrible. And I mean, yes, I get it. There's a lot of of subjectivity, but. Even in that subjectivity, there is some objectivity that has to be there. And that's what was missing today and some of those situations and some of those calls, right? So, look, I I mean, again, when you talk about roughing the passer, look, I get mad at roughing the passer more than anybody else. I'm always going to yell about it, scream about it when when I see certain um, things uh, get put up there. But to your point, it's the reason why that's so poorly officiated is because the rule book is so terribly described. And... Again, you know, this is this is part of why, as another little tangent real quick, I hate what Tom Brady said the other week. I hate it. Like, you do realize you had plenty of times when you were playing, you know, talking about the whole mediocrity and that he's seeing right now and, and certain techniques, this and that. You could have called it out when you were playing, but no, you were benefiting from it when when you were still playing, right? That Grady Jarrett sack. That that wasn't roughing the passer, but you got called. They got called roughing the passer last year when we're playing in Tampa Bay. You could have said something about that then. You didn't want to do that. Remember, uh, I think it was a. You've had a couple of playoff games when he got hurt because I think that's the year Matt Castle had come in and play basically yeah. the whole season. You didn't say anything then about low hits to the quarterback. Oh, but do you want to talk about it now? That's why I didn't like it, mm-hmm. right? But of course, when certain injuries happen to certain guys, that's when the rule book changes and. This and that and the other goes on, but 
that's why, like, you know, roughing the passer, I get it. That's a hard one to call. And I'm not saying that just for the officials. I'm saying it for how they have it in the rule book now. But there were just some things in this game. It had nothing to do with what it is in the rule book. It had everything to do with they, that was just a terrible officiating crew. Yeah, it just it's it's ugly stuff there. But we got Adnan Ikich joining us now. He's at say which way. Adnan, welcome to the show. How you doing today? Uh doing well. You know, team has has pulled themselves. Man, I'm dark. Team has pulled <laughs> Adnan themselves. coming to us from the realm of darkness. Yes. <laughs> that would have been if we um, lost. You would be coming from the realm of darkness. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I would have I would have talked about how massive the universe is and how none of this matters. Um. <laughs> Yeah, no, the team has sort of, you know, saved its season the last couple of weeks. Like, you know, the tone right now is much different than it was heading into that bye week as it, you know, as is natural. Um, because in, in, in two short weeks, this team has gone from nearly dead in the water to now in pole position in the NFC South after the Lions hung on to beat the New Orleans Saints up. Uh, this team is a game ahead of both the uh, both the Saints and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Who, if they win today, which you know it's still not a given, even though it is the Panthers. It is the Panthers. And you, have all, <laughs> yeah, you have all the tiebreakers, so you know I'm I'm feeling good right now. I'm I'm feeling like we will see a playoff game at the Benz this season. And you know I know I may be looking forward a bit too much, but you guys said we could if we beat the Jets. <laughs> yes, we. you can start talking about it a little bit because now you actually do have a lead in the division. You have a 3-0 and divisional record. Now it's very much on the table that the Falcons could falcon it up. I mean, that obviously is in play oh, no matter what. But yes, I mean, at this point, you know, they're back to 500 and, you know, we're, we're inching closer to the playoffs being a, a reality for this team, not just a, a meme. Because uh, somebody's got to go from this division and it doesn't seem like anyone else is stepping up at this point. But yeah, uh, rough game offensively, obviously. Uh, <laughs> defensively, two thumbs up. I mean, these, they overcame injuries. AJ Terrell comes out. Clark Phillips comes in and looks awesome. You know, I'm gonna get Shocker. on my soap. Yeah, I'm gonna get on my soapbox about that here Shocker. in a minute. I know you are too, Jordan. We're gonna we're gonna save a whole segment for Clark Phillips. But um, yeah, let me get to to Jason Gaines here real quick with the two dollars. Uh, very upset with the officiating crew. He says uh, Ron Turbort and that crew were awful today. I don't think they should ever be allowed to officiate another NFL game. And yeah, I mean, I don't I, like that's probably too far. Like I, I agree with your anger, Jason. Like it is very frustrating. It's just like they, there needs to be some kind of accountability. Like, can we get like a statement? Like we messed up, or like can there can there be penalties? I mean, I think just firing people outright for bad officiating is probably a little far. But like, there needs to be something, some step we can do other than just saying like just silence or saying, Oh, we got it wrong. Like that there needs to be like some kind of, some kind of action that can be taken. And, and, you know, I it's cause it's a really tough job. It's a thankless job. It's a tough job. It's, it's really difficult to do this job correctly. Um, but like, there's certain things that should be codified. Like if it's a potential fumble, even if you don't think it's a fumble, you don't blow it dead. You leave it out there because you can't play, play out. Yeah. You have to let it play out. And that, I think that's a thing. Like they're supposed to do that, but instead, yes, you know, so so there needs to like the getting the rest to be full time employees, at least some of them, was a good first step. But they we need more training, we need more like they, um, stuff. That I mean play, how how different is the narrative because that play took away six points. Like yeah, yeah. that was gonna be a touchdown. 
Yeah. How different is the conversation right now if Trevor Simeon goes downfield and scores a game-winning touchdown for the Jets? Knowing Very. then that, you know, if that play isn't whistled, that whistling that play dead pretty much cost the Falcons the game in that, in that situation. It's going to yeah. get buried now, and it's not going to get talked about because, you know, the game ended up the way it did, 13-8. to But you gave the Jets, the referees gave the Jets – an opportunity to win that game based off their own mistake. And that just can't happen. Yeah. I mean, we're still talking about, and I I hate to throw salt on the wound for this. If we have any Georgia fans in here, but I mean, some of the last few sec championships that we've seen between Georgia and Alabama, or even the uh, national championship, Tyler Simmons was on sides. We're still talking about that play to this day. And that was years ago. Now, of course, now I think I saw people were asking the question about a, uh, a false start and before that lets you know that was right before the missed field goal and um there was also i think the uh, isaiah bond i believe he had a fourth down conversion people were questioning why that wasn't challenged now i didn't just for context i'm i'm putting it in this way because i actually had to call i was i was doing a broadcast for a basketball game so i didn't watch the whole game but my thing is you never want a game to come down to a point of like to, to your point at non if, if 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 you know the jets go down and win that game you never want a game to come back to the point of, well, the ref did this and the ref said that. Like there, there are 22 people on a field at a given time that are really supposed to determine the outcome of a game. Let them do it. Yeah. Let them do it. Don't, don't, don't let the other five, six, however many officials you have on the field determine that. Yeah, exactly. Like it, I think, especially in those cru- crucial situations, the ref should try to be as hands off as possible unless it's an egregious foul. Like, if it's a ticky-tack P.I. at the end of a game on a Hail Mary, you don't throw that flag. And to their credit, they typically don't. Like, if there's people jumping right. around in the end zone, they typically don't call anything down there unless it's like they tackled the guy and didn't even give him a chance. Like, so, like, for their to their credit, they, they typically, I think, do a good job with that. But there are so many instances of... It doesn't get that far where it's like the rest change the game with that one play, but it's the little things that add up to across the course of a game. And this game was a big example of that where, you know, you don't, you don't get that fumble call, right? You force the Falcons to have to challenge it, which like, first of all, it was not even close to obvious that it was an incomplete pass. Like, I mean, from my live viewing, I was like, I think that's a fumble. Now, I wasn't sure. I was like, we're probably going to get this reviewed. But like, oh, I was pointing at the ball right away. Yeah, it's like, but it's like, I I don't know who could have possibly had because whoever thought they had the right angle to see that that was an incomplete pass was wrong because they were incorrect. But like, I don't know how you have the like gall to think that you're that perfect that you could just blow a play dead like that. Like, it's you can't do it. It's against like what you should be doing anyway. So you have to be absolutely sure to blow it dead. And they still did it. You have the benefit of replay is the other thing. And all all turnovers get reviewed automatically. So worst case scenario, if that's a fumble, the Falcons run it back. And if his arm is coming forward, worst case scenario, you go back and, you know, it's just an incomplete You just reverse it. It's no big deal. But, but that's what they're trained to call it as, and they didn't do it. That's l- the whole point of all of this. But also, what if Arthur Smith had no challenges left? What what if the Falcons had no timeouts left? And then you, you can't even, you know, trigger a replay in that situation. It's just, I don't know, it's just the wrong thing to do. And I don't know how the NFL grades refs. I don't know. Like it, It's a very, like, secret thing with these sports leagues. Like, we have no, there's no transparency with how the refs get graded if the refs get reprimanded like all of that they're just 
I, I feel like they're overprotected in, in that in that in this instance, but like it's just a bad look. Yeah, and it, it's something that really could have cost the Falcons a really good game. And you know, I feel like the defense sort of like deserved that touchdown. They did. The defense, they did. They played their asses the off. Played yeah. lights out in this game. I mean, like. They went. They forced three turnovers, um, and, and they just they just kept flipping the field it, and without it, Terrell exactly. too. And they missed Lamin for like most of the fourth quarter. And it's exactly what we talked about on Wednesday. And I, you know, even though the offense only scored thirteen points, I do want to give the offense their props because they did what we were looking for them to do, which is you know, hold on to the ball, like don't turn the ball over. You know, you don't have to go out there and win this game if you're the offense. You know, just yeah. go out there, play conservatively, flip the field, you know, when you have to. Just do not give the Jets any momentum on defense, and they didn't do that. They they put the ball in their defense's court, and the defense went out there, and they, they won you the game. And the offense, you know, did just enough of what they needed to do without giving the ball away, without shooting themselves in the foot. And, you know, it's not it's not pretty. It's an ugly win, but sometimes you you need that like uh, we're not we're not sitting here from this privileged point of view of oh well you know the falcons didn't win this game like beautifully enough like you know th- these aren't the fucking chiefs of the of the past few years this team <laughs> right. will take wins any way they can get him and this is the first time since week 2 that they've won back to back games yeah, it's an ugly rainy day in new york the jets defense is very very good we saw quinn and williams blow up our d line in force of safety earlier in this game uh, and you know just you come out of there hopefully with no major injuries and you come out of there in first place uh move, move on with the season six and six thumbs up thumbs up for this performance i agree to an extent and the reason why i say that so you know even with some of the the plays that you mentioned first off where Quinnen Williams was lined up on that play. Look, I get it. We got a lot of people that are not high on Drew Dahlman. I understand it. Jason Kelsey is not making that block in that situation. That's a straight play. play. He's lined up as a, as a, as a two eye on the guard. He has no help, no punch or anything from Bergeron. So actually there's anyone we want to get mad at. Potentially it could be Bert. Like, was he supposed to help there or not? Again, I don't know, but there was literally nothing that we could do on that play. And I thought it was a terrible call Yes, from the get go. I also, and I've been yelling about this for weeks now. Can we please stop with as much stretch and outside yes. zone as we have been calling? We don't need uh, it. Like they're so good running inside. They don't need to don't do all this outside it. zone. We yes. we love praising and lauding Tyler Algier for his determination to get downhill as fast as possible. And I agree, he does it really well. Yes. Again, I have seen when it works for Bijan too. You don't have to call outside zone and stretch just only for Bijan Robinson. No, he's but great again, running inside. We went, yeah. But we went back to that whole tendency of depending on who's in the backfield. I think I know what run play might be called. We went back to that today after we were praising the the run scheme and the run game for how it looked last week. We went a lot. We went right back to some of those same tendencies that have gotten us in problems uh, in weeks past. You know, and and with that again too, it's while we're now, like I said, we're talking about the offense, we're talking about the play calling. There were just so many situations where, again, situations matter in football, especially in one possession game. Situations matter. I thought some of the situational play calling was was not good. Um, you no, know, thankfully, 
Desmond Ritter did a good job of sliding down on that third down play, but it looked like another two-man route, which, again, shocker, if you haven't been paying attention for a while, uh, we have a lot of people that run routes in the same spot all like all over the field. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I, I didn't I wasn't I wasn't happy with that play call at all either. Um, now, give them credit from this standpoint. Right. They scored more points than the Jets did. I, I will I will give them that. Uh, but there were certain like things just still felt off today. Like The Jets are a great defense. Want to give them their props for that. Yeah. But there's still moments where I can't tell if Cal Pitts is really a receiver on the field or is he just trying to run a clear and be a decoy? Because sometimes it looks like he's still pulling up and not really being out there on certain routes, right? Um, there's just certain – like I said, it just feels off. Yeah. It, it really feels off. And obviously, again, this is a really good defense we played, and it's really going to highlight some of those you know, things that are off when you're playing against a good unit like this, like the Jets are. But still, nonetheless, it, it's very off. Yeah, I agree. And like, I, I, you have to imagine Kyle Pitts is tired of being a clear out option. And it's like, I, I don't, I think he has a point, but it's like it, when he's being targeted, he looks great. Like he's, he's running, he looks healthy. So it's like, I, I, I struggle to think, I mean, it, it, I'm sure there's, it, you don't come back from an injury like that a hundred percent quick. Like it's possible. There's still some of that going on. And like when you're running clear outs and you're not the target, you're not necessarily supposed to be just f- flat out sprinting all the time because that's part of playing offense. Like you you want to conserve some of your energy for when you're going to be targeted. But like, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with folks that are saying like Pitts is not necessarily running at full speed on some of these routes, but I think it's because he knows he's not a target. Like he's not a read on the play. So, but that's, see, that's where I'm saying it's off because if he's yeah. doing that and he's not supposed to be a read, but Desmond's looking at him as if right. he is supposed to be a yeah. read, something's not right there. Yeah. It, it just, the whole thing is so disjointed. And like today still, like, I, I agree with you. Like, I have a problem with the game plan. I don't, I think like the the players, I think, the, I feel like it's like they're fighting against, like they're they're trying to push a boulder uphill in this scheme. Like they're, they're like, we know the Jets have a great pass defense. We know they're going to be hard as hell to, to throw the ball against. And like, we threw the ball way too much in this game. Now, credit to Desmond Ritter. He, that Michael Pruitt touchdown was spectacular. Beautiful. Throw to London was spectacular. There were a couple great passes to Pitts. One that, that Pitts did drop that I maintain it was a difficult catch just because of the, I mean, Pitts had to full extend for it. He should have caught it. Still a difficult catch in the rain. But like, Ritter's overall passing I think was was fine, but it's like, this is such a good secondary and such a good defense that I just don't understand the idea of like, they come out on a drive where they could salt the game away by just running the football and they try to go, they try to do a play action deep throw. And like, against some defenses, that's a great idea, but not against the Jets. Like, first of all, you're going to get pressure in your face because they have an elite pass rush. Second, like, even if you get a one-on-one, their corners are elite. Like, these are, this is maybe the best secondary in the NFL or close to it. You really want to test these corners when you just need to run clock like this is an ugly ass game like all you need to do is just run as much clock as you can and try to get this clock to zero and run the ball because when it, when you've had success you've run the ball and instead it's like when you go for the passes early and like you can't just run the ball 100 percent of the time i'm not saying that but like they're putting themselves behind the eight ball like and and this offense can't overcome it. They they can't do it. Like if they don't get yardage on first down, they're in big trouble every time that that happens. Which 
is ridiculous because a lot of times you're going to get an incompletion if you throw on first down. But like, man, it's 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 just hella ugly watching this offense. And I, I feel like the scheme is not helping. I, I didn't like the game plan. I, I didn't like trying to run outside zone against this Jets defense. Like, that's where they're strong. Like, this Jets, like, Quinton Williams is great, but he can't play all the time. And, like, their other interior guys outside of Quinton Williams are, are a big weakness because Al Woods is out. He was their run stuffer. They don't have any more guys on the interior that could stop the run. And and we're just wasting Bijan carries, having him try to outrun these linebackers, which are two of the best linebackers in the NFL against the run, trying to have Bijan outrun these guys to the outside. It's not going to happen, and it didn't happen very often. But guess what? Every time they tried to run inside zone or tried to run some power stuff up the middle, there was space. But they weren't giving Bijan these carries. Like, and then, and then the no offense to Coral Patterson because he's I think he's doing his best out there, and I don't have a problem with Coral Patterson. But like, there was that third down run where it was an outside zone play, and they give it to Patterson. Yeah, and and he just doesn't have the speed to to beat these linebackers out there. Bijan, and he almost did. Like, it was a shoestring tackle to get him down. But Bijan gets that no problem. Bijan gets that no problem. So it's like, if you want to do it, you just take him off the field anyway. It, it, I, You guys know I have a beef with this offense big time. At least we saw Kyle Pitts targeted, and he did like make some plays, obviously. But it's just, man, like I just don't understand how Bijan's only getting, what was it, 13 carries in this game? Where This, this should have been a game where you're getting like 40-plus carries against this Jets defense. And, and Bijan's getting less than 15 carries. It's just... I, I can't understand the, the thought process behind that game plan. I just can't. I mean, technically 18, but yeah. A was lot it 18? Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but okay. yeah, the run game was 2.6 yards per carry overall. Um, I mean, part of that is what you guys were saying, just playing sort of into the Jets' strengths. Yeah. Passing game, 100 yards. Passing, 104 yards. I think uh, they they count taking sacks away from like uh, the passing yards overall in in the NFL, but I don't know. I I'm fine with uh, I'm fine with the conservative game plan overall of how they went into this. Of just all right, let's let's let the Jets sort of shoot themselves in the foot. Where you you know let's let's just not do anything catastrophic. Yeah, and I think this is one of those. Well, this is one of the few games where I didn't see anything really catastrophic from Desmond Ritter. No, like, sing- you know, normally it's like almost every week the Desmond Ritter is good for one play that's just like, all right, like, you know, what are you doing here? But he, you know, he didn't do that this game. He played. It, it, it was a smart football game. I feel like this is the game. This was the game to be conservative in. And I like. I really liked kicking the field goal right before the half. Yep. Yep. I mean, the more aggressive option would have been, all right, let's let's go for the touchdown. Let's pl- run one more play. In this sort of game against the elements, against a team that is probably has the worst quarterback situation in the NFL, you just you just take the points. That's what they did. And, you know, shout out to the defense. Four sacks. Shout out special shout out to Bud Dupree. He yeah. he forced what, two fumbles in this game. Um, Arnold Abicady. He finished, another... but Dupree finally yeah. finished. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, 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 I was, I was telling that to my. I was watching the game with one of my friends. He's a, he's a Jets fan, and I was telling him like, you know, the big thing Bud Dupree's been known for this year is just not completing the play, not completing the sacks. But you know, did a great job of that today. Really happy to see Abicady get what his fourth sack in the last four games. 
Yeah, like, something like that. Arnold Lubicati is coming on a little bit. Telling and you when he decides to go. I, I'm yep. telling you, I, I I loved what I saw from the defense. Shorthanded. Um, and yes, the the Jets quarterbacks overthrew some passes. Jesse Bates got another pick. I don't know what Tim Boyle was doing on that. <laughs> he was down wide that was bad. Up. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, he's and like, yeah, yeah. It seemed like the last straw for him, too, because after that, Trevor Simeon came in. And when Simeon came in, I was like, damn, now they have a better chance of winning this game. <laughs> Simeon didn't really look any better, to be honest. So. <laughs> it, it wasn't. It wasn't overall. Like, like yeah. there was that one play for Simeon where he started, like, running yeah. to the left. Then he turned around and started running to the right. And it's like, what are you doing? Like, I don't, the yeah. Jets are a mess right now at the quarterback position. Yeah, they position. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's, yeah. Yeah. Defense Hello. gives up field goals. And no, no huge plays, you know, take it, take it. However you can, how, what, whatever way you can get it. And it's, it seems like Nate Landman looked okay on the sideline. He had his helmet on. Uh, I think, I think he may be okay for, for next week. Hopefully AJ Terrell clears concussion protocol uh, going into next week. If it is a concussion, it, it certainly looked like it, but you know what? I think you escaped any like huge injuries on that MetLife turf. And this was a game that's not – it's never straightforward playing this Jets defense, even though their offense is really bad because that defense – I respect the hell out of that Oh, yeah. They're damn good. Yeah, they are. Especially in the rain. Congratulations, y'all. We just beat Iowa. Yeah, we beat Iowa. We did it. Hey, Iowa Iowa got to the championship, okay? (laughs) Well, I mean, that's – no, like, I'm I'm saying that to the point of sometimes defense can take you – can carry you a good good ways. Yeah. so yeah. no, that I mean that is the best comparison I can give right now for this this Jets team is, is yeah it's, it's, it's pretty spot on it really is um let me get to a couple more of these donations we got oh yeah also Crimson Huntsman shout out for becoming a channel member uh I saw I saw Crimson Huntsman in the chat I want to uh-huh. make sure he was here before I gave him a shout out so what's up Crimson thanks for supporting the channel and if you guys want to sign up we do have YouTube channel memberships going now um we have it's basically the same as Patreon it's just you get you know perks for the youtube channel specifically instead of the podcast so if you're more of a youtube viewer channel membership is probably your thing if you're more of a podcast viewer the P- patreon is probably your thing uh but either way we appreciate the support thank you crimson for that uh we got george costanza with the three dollars he says defensive game plan give it an a defensive execution a plus offensive game plan d plus offensive execution d minus officiating f minus Sadly, we're going to make the playoffs and then get smoked at home by 35 by Dallas. And that's going to mean we keep Arthur Smith. But at least they threw it to Pitts this week. Yeah, I can't really yell about Kyle Pitts not getting targeted this week. So there's at least that. Because uh, I've, I've been beating that drum way too often. So they were targeting really him. That, that Thursday night game, by the way, was maybe the the primetime game of the year this season. That that was a hell of a game. Not, not if you like defense. But, you know, it was a very fun game. But, man. I was really hoping Seattle would uh, would pull that game out. I would I would much rather see them in the playoffs than Dallas. Yeah. But you yeah. know, it is what it is. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm just uh, petty and don't want to see Kyle Shanahan win. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, if the one thing with Dallas is if there's one team that's going to blow a playoff game in embarrassing fashion, it is the Dallas Cowboys. So we have that working for us, but that's probably the only factor we have going in our favor. I will say I'd much rather see the Cowboys and the Eagles because that that division isn't really settled just yet. They play each other next week. And especially if the Eagles lose to San Francisco this week, it, it, it it could get very close in the NFC East. 
Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll see we'll see how that shakes out. But we got George Costanza, and this will help us sort of pivot towards the defensive talk here. He says, "All that Richie Grant shade I've been throwing around. Got to give credit where it's due. He played an excellent game today. Also, Helms might end up being the draft steal from 2023. And you say you don't like Atlanta draft. And you say you don't like Atlanta drafting in the seventh round, Kevin. Tisk tisk. Yeah, you know that that's a big that that one definitely looks like they they got something there with Helms. He's definitely been a, a good contributor here, but. You know, Richie Grant did have a good game today. I'll give him his credit. UCF legend, Richie Grant. Um, and then Clark Phillips is who we really got to talk about, Jordan. I know you're itching to get to Clark Phillips. And I was pounding the table all offseason. Like, we need to give him a chance to play outside before we force him to transition to the slot. Because I think this is... He was so good in college at this. He, ne- he didn't really have the... Issues with the big receivers that you would normally see from a smaller corner. Watch his game against Drake London. He was one of the only corners that actually matched up with Drake London effectively. The size is not really an issue for him. He plays bigger than his size. And, like, I I just think that he's not the best run defender inside. But you saw he's perfectly fine playing outside. He's good at redirecting. He's good at slowing guys down. He's just not a guy you want in there trying to mash players, you know, from an in, from a slot position, and what do you know, Jordan Clark Phillips plays outside, looks fantastic. How do you feel about that revelation? Uh, because apparently, we were the only ones that knew about this before the season. Not shocked. Yeah, <laughs> that's the best way I can put it. And like, obviously, you know, if I had to give a game ball, I'd give it to Clark Phillips for this game. But you know, the the thing for me is like there really is something to be said of you have to go into a game. And especially, obviously, as we know, defense was at a premium in this game. Um, And there's not that drop-off of, oh, this is a guy that they're targeting. They see there's a replacement in. They couldn't do that. Now, to your point, Kevin, and like we talked about before, when he went against Drake London in that uh, Pac-12 championship game, he is a good outside corner. He got all those pick sixes and those interceptions because he is a good outside corner. So... That's why I wasn't surprised. And I look at our defensive back room this year compared to where we were in the spot last year, right? And again, love the guy. I really am not trying to say anything against him. But it really is a difference of we have to go to Clark Phillips this year versus we were going to Cornell Armstrong last year. <laughs> I knew year. Carl Armstrong was going to catch the strike. <laughs> I, like I said, I, I feel bad because like I'm not like it's not his fault. No. You know what I'm saying? But but that that's again, it just shows you how different that room is and, and just the whole defensive room really uh is from a year ago. Now again, I really do hope that late Nate Lamon's gonna be okay because that was really one of the entries I was even more afraid of. Yeah. Um, but I, again, like I said, I saw him right there on the sideline, helmet was on, like he was ready to go. So I think yeah. he's gonna be good. Uh, but yeah, man, look, Clark Phillips is a dude. I've always known he was a dude. You know, he was a dude. We were screaming to people that he was a dude, and he showed today that he's a dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just I'm a dude. Man. You're a dude. Yeah. She's a dude. We're all dudes. <laughs> we're all dudes here. Yeah, guys being dudes here on the the Falcoholic Live. But yeah, it's I just can't believe like it took this long to give him a shot outside. Like I, I get thinking that he needs to be a slot in the NFL. Like you look at his build, you look at his talent. He's so smart. He's so instinctive. You think he can be a playmaker on the inside, but like. That size also works against him against the run, whereas I think he's a a solid run defender. He's more of like a redirect and slow guy 
than he is like a physical tackler. D. Alford, I think, is that guy you can see is that physical tackler despite the size disadvantage. And it's nothing against Clark Phillips. Like not, most corners aren't good run defenders. I mean, that just it is what it is. But sure. like, I you can see he was doing exactly what he needed to do. He doesn't need to bring the guy down immediately. He doesn't need to deliver a physical hit. He just needs to get his hands on him, slow him down, string him out towards the sideline, and wait for those reinforcements to arrive. And he did that over and over and over again because he's an outside corner he knows how to play outside corner he doesn't know how to play slot because he never played it he played like 100 snaps of slot his entire college career so i'm shocked jordan that the man who played slot at a at a what all-american level for multiple seasons has been good or excuse me played outside at an all-american level for all these seasons i'm shocked to see that he's uh, actually a very competent and good outside corner and we saw what he could be in this game because his counterpart is playing on the other side of the field. It's DJ Reed. That's Clark Phillips. DJ Reed and Clark Phillips, very similar players. I'll give DJ Reed the credit. DJ Reed's probably a better run defender at this stage, but like, and DJ Reed's a great player also. So that's, it's going to, Clark Phillips needs to reach that level first. And, and to be fair, also, DJ Reed is one of the only corners at that size that's been successful outside. But I think Clark Phillips is that level talent. And I'm so. Like, Ryan Nielsen, Jerry Gray, you get your flowers because it looked like you were going to pigeonhole this guy into the slot because he was small, and he needed to come in. Like, you, Terrell went down, and you could have gone back to Trey Flowers, who we've seen. He's a really good run defender. He's okay in coverage. The Jets receivers outside of Garrett Wilson don't really scare you. They didn't go back to Trey Flowers. They went to, to Clark Phillips. They gave him a chance, and I hope this is a sign of the future because he's earned his opportunity to play. And, and he, he nailed it. He crushed it. Like, I don't know what more you could could have wanted to see from him. He did. He checked every box for me in this game. And it's not like he... And he had to play against Garrett Wilson, too. Like, this isn't like he was going up against bombs all game, that the Jets were going after him, and he did a great job. So, uh, just happy happy to see that from him and happy to, to see him play outside. Because that, that, to me, is still where he is. That's where he needs to play. And it's not that he can't... Like, I think his future is probably that versatile inside outside guy I, I i understand wanting to get him trained up to play the slot too but like in his rookie season i think it was a tall order to ask him to be comfortable playing the slot and i'm so glad he got an opportunity to show that actually he is a really good corner wow who would have thunk it <laughs> no i mean you're you're 100 spot on and, and before we pivot you know however we want to go with this i, I want to say this too about the secondary even at this point in the year i get we got what is it i think 11 i mean five games left now if Jesse Bates isn't a first-team All-Pro player, someone's doing yeah, their job yeah. wrong, or a lot of people are doing their job wrong. I just, I just, like, I just want to say that. I want to say it now. I want to say it now. Yeah, yeah, He's no. You cannot go for it. You cannot point me to a single safety that's better than Jesse Bates is right now in the NFL. Not one. Yeah, and he's doing it with like very little pass rush in front of him too. Like that's that's what makes it so impressive. Is like he's just like making plays. It's not forced. They're not forcing these quarterbacks into mistakes. Typically, it's Bates having to go out there and and figure out what's going on, decipher it, and get in the way of the ball. And he's doing a great job. Uh, yeah, Adnan, t- talk to us about Jesse Bates. I mean, once again, another great performance this week. I mean, it feels like you gave Jesse Bates top five safety money, or was it top three safety money over the offseason? Something like and that. It feels yeah. like a bargain. It feels like it feels like you <laughs> underpaid him because, I mean, we were all excited about jesse bates that's a name that we were talking about for months leading up to the show or leading up to that 
signing and you know we all got really excited when we saw him and his agent getting dinner with uh with the falcons players that his agent also represented a few a few nights before and you know when we got that Schefter bomb that you know the falcons are signing jesse bates we're like we're like this is the biggest signing since alex mack and it turned out to be exactly that i i would put this as one of what the three biggest free agent signings in Atlanta Falcons history. Uh, well, it, it's going to get to that point, but especially at the time of the signing, like the high impact, big name. And those signings are of course, Michael Turner, Alex Mack, and now Jesse Bates. And yeah, yeah he has, John Abraham in there. Yep. Yep, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, man, the Falcons had some pretty good ones through the two thousands. What can I say? Matt Bryant also. <laughs> yep. Um, but it feels like he completely stabilized that secondary. Not that the secondary was, you know, terrible last year, but I feel like it's a completely different mindset when you have a guy who is playing at an all pro level who can sort of erase mistakes that's yep. playing yep. right next to you. And we saw the same thing with Alex Mack on the offensive line. Like Alex Mack was a monster in his own right as a center, but he also made things you know, a lot easier for Chris Chester right next to him. You know, he made things a lot easier for Andy Levitri right next to him. He, he made things easier for the entire unit as a whole because it's like, all right, one of our best players on the field is right here, like standing right next to me. He's going to do his job. He's going to help me do my job. And, you know, full props to Jesse Bates. Like he has, he's gone above and beyond. He, he's been even better than I expected him to be. You know, I talked on Wednesday about that Ed Reed level pick six uh, against the New Orleans Saints. You do not win. You you don't win that Saints game without Jesse Bates. Yeah. Like you out, you just don't win that game. Yeah. And you know, I I shudder to think about where the Falcons would be right now had they not made that signing. Um, I mean, we we'd be talking about you know top five draft pick right now if if you if you don't sign Jesse Bates. At yeah. minimum, they for sure have two more losses. Yeah, yeah. I At minimum. They lose that game against New Orleans, to your point. They also might lose game one to Carolina. Yeah, maybe. And, I mean, it's like he's just such a difference maker, and, and I like the way you phrased it with the eraser thing because that's absolutely what he is, and, and that's what a great safety can do for your defense. And, you know, I, I hope Richie Grant can, can build on this game. You know, he's just been so up and down, and, and teams definitely target him in man coverage, and, and maybe he's just a third safety. You know, who knows? But they – they need that if they can get that difference maker next to Bates. That's what may, turns a good secondary into an elite secondary. When you have those interchangeable safeties that you can't, you can't like target one or the other in man coverage and all this. And so I do wonder how big of an emphasis it'll be. We'll see how Grant finishes out the season. Helms definitely looks like a guy that can be your third safety. Um, but like I, I do wonder if if getting that impact player next to Bates is a priority in the draft. You know, probably more so than free agency, just because. They already spent a lot on Bates, so they're probably not looking to give a huge contract at safety. But, you know, could you go get somebody on, on day two if somebody really good falls? A lot of times you do see those good safeties fall. You know, we'll see how how things shake out with that Jaguars pick, because if you get that second instead of a third, maybe that gives you the opportunity to go BPA mm-hmm. with one of those picks. Um, you know, Ridley's been balling, so... You know, with, with Ridley balling, that makes every game, every great game Ridley has, makes that second round pick much more likely, and the third round and pick is I, almost assured at this point, almost. And so. I just want to make one more point about Bates. E- even we just talked about the on the field stuff. That's not even considering his off the field impact. I mean, yeah, remember, yeah, 
remember they they said leading up to game one, he's the one that was getting the entire secondary, you know, together to do that extra film study together. Like he he has, you know, he's been great in the locker room. You know, our absolute an absolute captain out there. And you know, it, it's I can't say I can't say enough good things about that signing. And the Falcons will have a lot of money to make a lot more impact signings this coming off season. And that's, that's going to be a very, a very exciting time, but you know, that's, we'll talk about that in a few months right now, as I said, on Wednesday show, we have a divisional win and we have a, we have a playoff game to host in a few weeks. One, one thing too, as we're talking about this, cause you no, know, at, at now you're a hundred percent right in terms of that's the focus and the goal right now, right. Is when this division hosts a playoff game. Since we're talking about the secondary, though, there's one thing that I want to bring up because I, I keep seeing it over and over. So now it's at a point where I think it is just part of the philosophy and not the players doing something. When we're in cover two, our outside corners do not put hands on receivers at all. Uh, there were a couple of throws. Like if you want to highlight good throws, actually, that were in this game from the Jets, whether it was Simeon or, or Boyle, they had a couple of good hole shot throws in there when we were in cover two. The reason why I bring this up is because obviously that's there's going to be that space right between where the corner is then where the safety can then get there and help. And you have to help the safety out to get there by disrupting the timing at the line of scrimmage. But one thing that I've seen consistently for us throughout the whole year is that when we are in cover two, we don't put hands on the guys in the line of scrimmage. And again, just re- something really interesting. Um, and I'm, I'm just so curious as to why that is. Because I think that is going to be something that people are going to see on tape. And if they do see a cover two read, they're going to hit us on it. Yeah, exactly. And and I just, I don't know what's going on there, but you're absolutely right. Like they just, they don't play zone with a lot of discipline. You know, Akuda doesn't seem to get enough depth in his drops there. And it's just that that always seems to be open. There's just like a hole in the defense on some of those zone plays. And earlier in the season, there were some blown coverages. I mean, like there there's, there's some vulnerabilities in this defense. Obviously we hope Okuda's okay. I know you mentioned uh, Jordan that maybe it looked like he was celebrating on the sidelines. So there's some hope there that maybe he is okay. But um, yeah, it's, there is there are some vulnerabilities there and and I you know Akuda I think in man coverage has been pretty damn good but I think he's just a little bit vulnerable to 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 those type of plays and he had a play today where uh, to Jordan's point I think he was in press and was it Garrett Wilson uh, I don't know if it was Garrett Wilson or another receiver who just like ran right by him and he yeah. was just like wide open down the sideline and you know Akuda was complaining about how there was no safety help coming over and he like as good as Okuda's been this year, he does have some of those mental lapses. We saw yeah. it last week, first play of the game, where Chris Olave had his fifty yard catch. Yeah, exactly. And, and and I guess that's the thing for me where it's just like again, at least in cover two situations, I can't call it his lapses because I've seen AJ Terrell do the same thing in cover two. So yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like at this point, you know, we're in week tw- well, week thirteen. Um, it feels like that is how it's coached. Yeah. And so my question again is why is it coached that way if we're in cover yeah. two like that? Yeah. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense because there's just so much space there for somebody exactly. to run into and get an easy catch. And it's like, as good as Bates is, you can't expect him to cover that much ground and get to the sideline 
for that type and of route. And he still almost it's, does. Yes, and he still <laughs> almost does. But like, you shouldn't be asking anyone to do that. It's not going to work most of the time, even if you have an elite safety. And um, you got to give your safety more help than that. I mean, you got to at least contest the catch underneath. Like, you can't just give somebody ten yards of free space to just go up and make a catch. So um, yeah. that that has been one consistent weakness in this defense. Is they just I think they're they're just sloppy in zone sometimes. They don't play with great technique and it's again to your point like it has you, it seems like a coaching thing because it's not just one player making these mistakes they're routinely routinely having these coverage breakdowns and cover two and other zone situations so it it's frustrating but again it's like a lot of moving parts in this defense it is like this is a new scheme they're implementing i, I think people saw how well they played early and just kind of forgot that this is a completely new defensive scheme getting implemented and a lot of new moving pieces in here like they, they overperformed early. They came down. They really regressed during that three-game losing streak, and they're starting to stabilize a little bit more now. Hopefully, you know, Nate Landman is healthy because if they lose him, they don't really have any more linebackers. Like, that Like that was their backup linebacker, and that worked out really well, and he's been great. But, yeah, at, and Andre Smith Jr., like, no offense, but I'm not expecting great things from, from that. Uh, so they may have to go look for, for more linebacker help on the market. But, you know... At, Hopefully, Lehman's okay. Like you guys said, he did have his helmet back on. It looked like he he wasn't like pained moving on the sidelines. So hopefully, mm-hmm. just a bruise, um, and he was able to get get back to it. It could still mean some missed time, but as long as it's not season it season ending. And I know we've talked about a lot his injury history with the knees. Um, really want to make sure that's not something serious there, because uh, it would it would really suck to see him have a setback like that when he's finally getting an opportunity to play um, after you know having that that problem in college. So. Um, definitely hoping, definitely hoping, uh, for the best for, for Lamb. And it seems maybe slightly more positive than it initially looked. Which he seemed is, okay. Like yeah. he, he had, he had the helmet on. He, he was, yeah. I, it looked like he was even looking like he wanted to maybe even go into the game, but you know, you don't, you, you don't let him back in, not on that turf, not in this rain, like n- not when the defense ha- had been locking in at that point. So it was a good decision by the defense, but I think, uh, I think he'll be okay. Yeah. I think so too. Um, and and then just overall too, with the defense, I got to say this and I'm going to try my best to not get emotional because I saw a pass rush that closed the game out. (laughs) I saw an Atlanta Falcons pass rush, close the game out y'all. I know. Beautiful stuff. Absolutely beautiful. It it was beautiful. These are happy tears. These are happy tears. We've been asking for it for years. Yep. And don't get me wrong. I'm not all of a sudden going to sit here and say my opinion in terms of that room has changed. But the fact that they showed up, right? And again, we 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 talk about we've said this for a few weeks now in terms of hey, here's some of the injuries that offensive lines have that you know we're gonna go against. We gotta win, we gotta win. Yeah, and it still hasn't been there consistently. So again, this is a bad offensive line for the Jets, and when it mattered, right? Lorenzo Carter gets home. Obviously, we saw the the uh strip sack that Richie Grant had on the um on a blitz. And Arnold Bubba Katie gets home. Like seeing dudes get home, Bud Dupree got home. I think Lace Campbell got a sack. So seeing guys get home in big time situations like that to close out a game, it, it was just I, I felt like the SpongeBob episode where, you know, like he he wanted to sing for a little bit and he finally goes back to the grill and everyone's looking through the windows like, that's what we've been waiting for. <laughs> um, that that's what it felt like. So it was it was good to see the pass rush close the game out. Yeah, yeah, good, good to see that. I, I, I mean, mean, yeah. How different is the narrative if uh, Bud Dupree can actually like 
take Josh Dobbs to the ground against the Vikings on that fourth down right now. Right. Like you know, you're sitting here at seven and five because that that, that was the end of the game right there. But yep. you know, Marlon McKady going upfield shoulder against Kyler Murray. Yep. Yeah. Hopefully this game was a a sign of you know things to come for both Dupree and Ebicade. And Ebicade's been good for the past couple of weeks, and you know, hopefully he continues building on this because this is. You know, these types of performances, this is huge first confidence as a young player, especially someone who wasn't really playing very much to start the season. So, you know, hopefully we can, you know, we we can salvage something with this pass rush down the stretch of this season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And and it's nice to see Ebicady come on. I believe he has a sack in four straight games, and we've been waiting for that. And again, this is like not all, all that surprising because pass rushers frequently don't have great rookie seasons. It's usually kind of an, like an anomaly when they do it. It, it can take time. Um, a lot of guys hit their stride in their third season. Um, so this is year two for Ebicady. And hopefully this is a sign that he is starting to come on and he, he's mostly a designated pass rusher for this defense. But if he could be this productive on limited snaps, I mean, that's a great sign. So definitely enjoying that. You know, they still do need that impact edge rusher. They need that number one guy that doesn't have to leave the field that, you know, can play early downs and late downs, you know, that sort of stuff. They're still searching for that. They don't have that guy on the roster, but if Ebicady can be a really good designated pass rusher, rotational guy like a Hassan Reddick for them, that's still a massive boost over what they did have. And, and Lorenzo Carter, to his credit, I think has been a solid rotational guy too, you know, getting some pressure here and there and, and, and just playing smart football. Um, so that that's definitely been a plus. Um, let me get to a couple more donations here as we wrap up uh, our our talk on today's show. We got Jason Gaines with the two dollars. Uh, he says on the Pat McAfee show this week, Pat needs to ask Arthur Smith why are you calling halfback stretch on your two yard line. That play resulted in a safety. Happy that the Falcons won today, especially since uh, ex Aints linebacker Jonathan Vilma was calling the game for Fox. Yeah, and Vilma was definitely getting a little upset with the Falcons uh, winning this game at the end of this one. Uh, definitely like not. Yeah, I mean, like, he I hasn't always been like that. Like, it's weird. Stop letting yeah. him call our games. Like, stop. Yeah. Like, he's clearly, like, he clearly has a disdain for the Falcons, which I'm not saying is, like, he's a, he's an ex-saint. Like, you know, hate the Falcons all you want, but don't. I, I, I don't want to have to listen to it. Like, he's clearly, like, in, in this boat of, like, rooting for the Saints to win the division, which is natural, but. Stop letting them call our games. Get, give yeah, they, they keep like specifically putting him on Falcons games. And I actually think Velma is typically a pretty decent announcer. It's just like, don't put him on Falcons games. It's just like, what? Do you, if it's Falcons Saints, sure. Like if you want like to, to rev up the rivalry, whatever, that's fine. But like, I just don't get like that. They seem to have this emphasis on putting Velma on Falcons games and he just doesn't seem to like it. Um, so it's a little bit weird, but we got, we got PV signing up as a new channel member. What's up? PV, welcome to the channel. Uh, appreciate your support, man. Thank you so much for that. We got Corey Carter with the $2. He says, I respectfully, humbly say that we can run the table. And, like, you've seen the schedule, Corey. They can run the table. Corey, it's not that hard. Like, it's Corey, really not I, that I, hard. I, I, I like, like it. Uh, yeah. Call your shot. I like it. You know, I hey, mean, next week, the Bucks at home. If you beat the Bucks next week, they're they're dead in the water regarding this division. Like they'll have to win out and hope the Falcons lose out at that point. Yeah, and yeah. Then, I mean, you know, and they have no linebackers, and they're one of their backup linebackers is out of the game today. Yeah, like, they're, they're struggling they're... against the Panthers. It's seven three right now against Carolina. Yeah. You yeah. know what? Um, the most frustrating thing about what Corey says 
we all know he's not wrong. <laughs> they, not. they really can run the table in terms of the rest of this regular season. Now, do I think it's going to happen? I don't know. I still need no. to see more from the Falcons <laughs> to like actually make me trust that that would happen. But I, I think that on. Sorry, go ahead. I, no, I'm saying I would not bet on the Falcons running the table. Like it, there's there's going to be a maddening loss down the stretch somewhere. But again, that's the thing, right? It would be a maddening loss, which again, that's the point of he's right of it very well could happen and should happen. But again, with this team, as we know, consistently inconsistent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And what, like, what if it happens? Like, like what, what, what if it happens? <laughs> like, what if? What you, if you how, know. how good are we feeling going into that Cowboys game if it happens? 11 and 6. I, I mean, it, do not. Look, you it get depends to the on how they look. Division, it depends on how they every, look. Yeah. Everything else for me is free candy. You make it to the division and win the yeah. playoffs. Like that, because yeah. that was my expectation. Now, of course, with that, I'm always going to be one of the first guys to tell you that, hey, you know, you get to the playoffs. It's a one. It's just a one game situation. Anything can happen, which is true. But again, the thing for me is as as a group and, you know, Kevin, I know we talked about this a good bit on the um, the preview show on Wednesday there. I, I need a sense of a winning culture to be in and around the Atlanta Falcons, right? Like I, that's the main thing for me. That's the biggest thing for me. Win this division, let everyone else know in here, Hey, this is the new standard now is winning. I don't care what everybody else does. I don't care what the other three teams in the division do. doesn't matter. It matters what we do in here. And we're all about winning. You want to keep getting some big time free agents in that building like Jesse Bates, you better keep winning. So that way, when they look at this team, look at it more as they're this piece away from 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 being a contender they're this one piece away from being a contender and i am that piece that's the start of the window you want to you want to start getting to with this team so just make the playoffs right like make the playoffs win this division and then after that i'm, I'm gravy with whatever else happens and, and the other thing about this division and yes like there's no excuse to not win this division this year I, if you don't win this division this year you need to go find a new head coach um, the other thing about it is this division next year is also going to be very weak outside, you know, outside of the Falcons. Like the New Orleans Saints are going to be in cap hell. Well, I, I, I Again, know the, yeah. Saints, the Saints can cover their ears and, and yell, you know, Mickey Loomis, like Loomis, not uh, economics all they want. Like it, 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 that has been affecting, like the dead cap has been affecting them the past few years. They have been lose they've been losing talent because of it and it's going to affect them again like this offseason the bucks i don't know what the what direction the bucks are going to go in like i i don't expect the bucks to be a really good team next year uh the yeah. panthers look like panthers look like a disaster with really bad ownership right now yeah. so i mean this division is open for you to really like to just look competent just don't shoot yourself in the foot. And this division is going to be up for grabs for a while right now. Yeah, like it exactly. could be a pretty solid era, but it has to start this season. Like it has to start with these next few games. And, you know, if you, if you do blow it, these next few games, then, you know, how are you going to trust this team at all next year, no matter what the circumstances are? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. And, you know, you look at the schedule upcoming and, you know, the Falcons obviously they get Tampa Bay and then they're at Carolina. So those are those are probably, you know, if you're gonna win, if you need if you want to make sure to win two of the next four, it needs to be those two. 
because at that point you'll be five and zero in the division, uh, which basically means you're going to win any divisional tiebreaker against anybody in this division. So, um, they need to try to win those two games, and if they beat the the Bucks, obviously they'll be they'll be favored to win both of those games. Um, uh, also, you just need one. You need if you beat the Bucks next year, you'll have the tiebreaker over everyone. The Saints have already have the Saints lost two or three division games. I'll check on it. I think they've lost two with the Falcons and Bucks. Um, okay, so. yeah, okay. Yeah. So, so the Saints can theoretically go four and two. Okay, never mind. It's not, it's not fully mathematically done, but I think you do also have a better conference record than the Saints. Probably, yeah. Which but is the next yeah. great card case that is four and two, but that's really getting into the weeds. You, yeah. The team will more than likely win any tiebreaker against anyone. Yeah, so like if... Indianapolis is the one that I would say is probably going to be a loss. Like Indianapolis, they're playing well. They're 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 playing pretty good. Um, and you know it's, I think they're probably going to lose to Indianapolis. It is at home, so they have they have a decent chance. And Indianapolis has been far from like unbeatable. It's just like they're probably losing to Indianapolis. You know, at Chicago, Chicago is like the most high variance team I've ever seen. It's like they'll go out and like beat you know. They'll like beat somebody good and then just be like an absolute dumpster fire the next week. So who knows with Chicago? Um, but yeah, so if, if the Falcons do like say the Falcons beat the Bucks and Carolina, that means they can if they go into New Orleans up a game, then they've won the division. They'll clinch they'll clinch the division if they beat Tampa Bay and Carolina and they have a one game lead on New Orleans going into week eighteen. So that would be nice to not have to, to have that game not matter. That would be my. That would be the best way to do things, in my opinion. But you know, we'll see. The thing about Indianapolis, they may not have Jonathan Taylor, and it also may not matter because the Falcons never beat Indianapolis. No, they like don't. the Falcons. I, I think the Falcons have the worst record against Indy head to head than yeah. like anyone has against anyone else in NFL history. Like yeah. the Colts just have our number for for whatever reason, and it's not just the Peyton Manning era. It's like after that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I don't think uh, they're beating Indianapolis, so that means that they're going to lose. And and the other thing is the Saints have almost as easy a schedule as the Falcons over the last, you know, five. Like, now that they've played Detroit, the, the Rams are the best team they play. They play Carolina. They play the Giants. They play the Rams on the road. They play Tampa Bay on the road, who they already lost to once. And then they play they Atlanta at home. So. By Tampa at home. Yeah. So, like, there's a solid chance that, you know, the, the Saints might only lose to the Rams. Maybe they lose to Tampa Bay as well. Um, so obviously if they lose to the Rams in Tampa Bay, they're pretty much cooked so that the saints really have the pressure on, like they kind of have to run the table unless the Falcons just start screwing up. So, you know, which is always a possibility. You can't ever rule that out. But if the Falcons start, keep winning games, like if the Falcons win the next two, the saints are going to be, the pressure is going to be on basically. Like they really can't afford to lose anymore. Um, or they're going to be out of it because if the Falcons win out, it's over at this point. Like the, the obviously the Falcons would have they play the Saints again. So like they'd they'd get up to a two game lead at that point. They have all the tiebreakers. But even if the Falcons drop a game to Indy, uh, if the Saints lose another game, then the Falcons if the Falcons lose one game, they lose to Indy, and the Saints lose one of these next you know five games or six games, in, I guess include or five games including the Panthers um, coming up. Then Atlanta will win the division going into week you know. 18 so it that would be great just like win, if they baby. could do that if they could do that but um i do think they can afford to lose to the colts but if they lose any more than that it's going to set up a showdown in week 18 with the saints for the division title so um just, just win baby that's all you got to do just win it'll you be in atlanta control at everything 
So you have everything yeah. in front of you right now. So oh yeah, yeah. Control what you got to control. Um, yep. Yep. So yeah, that that's gonna be it for me. I gotta head out again. Shout out to everybody in the chat. Y'all been Absolutely. awesome. Adnan non always a blast. Kevin always a blast. Falcons win again. I always take an ugly win over an ugly loss. Hopefully everyone's gonna be okay and healthy. And uh, let's just go ahead and take this damn division, man. I'm so tired of the ifs and this and that. Like, all your points are 100% right. Can we just do this? Can we just say, if the Falcons win, then we are good. Like, let, let, let's just do that, Atlanta. Please, can yeah. we just do that? That would be really cool if we could just do that, that great. and just relax in, uh, in the final week it. there. That would be sweet. The, uh, the only thing is, New Orleans does get a boost with Derek Carr getting hurt. and Because <laughs> Jameis is better, yeah. Because Jameis is just better than Derek Carr. At this point. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yep. Right, but Jameis is also going to blow some games because he'll just throw some insane yeah. interceptions. So there's also that. But yeah. Whoa. Sorry, guys. Not not time for that yet. But yes. Um, Jordan, thank you so much, guys. He's epic. Seventy five, fella. Uh, thank appreciate Jordan's time tonight. Adnan, uh, any anything else? Uh, I was uh, working on get my prize picks read here, but anything else you want to touch on before we work to sign off tonight? Um, You know, again, another big shout out to the defense, big shout out to Nate Landman for punching that ball away from uh, Dalvin cook on that original fumble, because that play set up the touchdown because the Falcons had some really bad field positioning throughout the game. And that was, that's the first time they really sort of like had a chance for, and I said it at the time, touchdowns are going to be like gold in this game, this game especially. And, yeah, what can you say? Uh, they had the only touchdown of the game. Um, he offered two fumble recoveries in this game, which is absolutely clutch. He was, he was all around the ball. Um, you know, you just really can't say – you can't say enough about how Herculean this effort was from this defense – Four sacks, eight tackles for a loss, you know, two sacks for Bud Dupree. I think he forced – did he force two fumbles? I, I don't know. I think so. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Um, Man, like this is – this is this is what you were hoping for. Yeah. Like we talked about it on, on Wednesday's show with Aaron. Yeah. You just go in here, don't shoot yourself in the foot. Just play conservative. It's not the worst thing in the world if you have to punt the ball away and as long as the Jets start out inside their own 30. Just do not do not set them up on your half of the field. And I was I was thrilled. I was thrilled that they didn't do that. Come away with it. And, you know, we have some positive vibes. Big game against Tampa Bay next weekend. You win that one, you've pretty much eliminated eliminated the Buccaneers. Not mathematically, but just about. Then you go to Carolina, which is an absolute disaster of in the making right now so you know also big shout out to the detroit lions for hanging on because now the falcons have a game uh advantage and and the tiebreaker over the saints how how much how, how much a season can change in two weeks yeah like from four and six to six and six right now for the falcons it is it is night and day because we did not we didn't talk about the draft at all on the show we didn't talk about, you know, the next head coach at all on the show. Like We did. Yeah, we did not. We it just feels so nice to be talking about actual playoff scenarios moving forward. Yeah, yeah, right now they're in the driver's seat 
obviously, and, and they have, over the next two games, we'll sort of know if they're going to remain in the driver's seat. Because if they blow that game to the Bucks, then obviously they're no longer in a, in a driver's seat. Um, but, you know, if they win the Bucks game, then they remain very much in the driver's seat with going into Carolina uh, with a winning record and a chance to get two games above 500, um, I think, for the first time this season, right? Or maybe they were there at one point, but um, nope, never. So they were one game above 500. That's the most they've ever been this year. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how they handle it. They got to handle the yeah, pressure. They were two, they, they were two they were games two. above 500. Oh, yeah, because it's 2-0. and oh. That's right. Yeah, 2-0. and oh. Other than the 2-0 and oh start. Haven't, haven't, uh, but this was their, this is their first winning streak since that 2-0 and oh start. Um, so hopefully they can build on it. Uh, they certainly have a, a winnable stretch here. The Bucks are hurting. Hopefully the Falcons injuries are, are not as bad as, as some of them appeared. But uh, we'll get more information on that, obviously, as the week goes on, guys. Um, so let's get to these final donations. And uh, oh, actually, real quick, guys, let me get my prize picks in here before we get too deep. Uh, we'll check in because Arthur Smith ruined my prize picks by refusing to give the ball to Bijan enough. Uh, Bijan finishes with 53 yards. He needed 58 and a half. Doesn't get there. Uh, so, you know, thanks, Arthur Smith, for for refusing to, to utilize Bijan Robinson. Uh, and yep, you know, just pounding him outside zone. If he didn't have all those tackles for loss, he would have had way more than 58 and a half. So, um, we also, we did of course nail the young way coup more than one and a half field goals made. That one's easy money. Um, we'll see on the Rashad white one, that game's turning into a slop fest. So it's possible. It doesn't even matter because they can't really throw the ball in that driving rain super well. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how that shakes out, but didn't win this week, but thanks again to prize picks. For sponsoring today's episode, guys, for interested in getting involved, make sure you go sign up with our code DBB. Prize picks is, of course, a skill-based daily fantasy game. You pick from two to six players. The more players you pick, the more money you can win, all the way up to 25 times your bet on any entry. And because it's daily fantasy, it's it's a uh, prize picks is different than daily fantasy. You play against the projections, not against other players. So you don't have to worry about getting bested by that one ace you just happen to be with in the group. Uh, and if you sign up with our code DBB, you get that 100% deposit match up to $100. So if you put in 100, prize picks will match and give you 100. If you put in 50, prize picks will match and give you 50 as well. So what are you waiting for, guys? Check it out. Thanks again to prize picks for sponsoring the show. Make sure if you sign up to use that promo code DBB. Um, and then let me get to some final donations here. We got Raymond with the $2. He says, I like that Ritter wasn't afraid to take shots in this one. Yeah, I mean, the the shots, like, themselves, like, I mean, he missed Kyle Pitts, who I think did actually beat the corner on that one play. He just threw it way too deep. He hit that one to Michael Pruitt, which was absolutely beautiful. You know, like, I think Ritter taking shots, like, a lot of times he, he does actually do pretty well with those types of throws. It's just, this is not the game I would have really emphasized it in because this Jets secondary is so good and so good at playmaking. You have a backbreaking interception in this one that could easily lose you the game if, the, if you give the Jets good field position because we saw they couldn't really move the ball themselves. They were, But if the Falcons bailed them out with something like that, that could have been the difference. So that's why I was sort of hoping they wouldn't emphasize the pass game. Unfortunately, they, they I think, emphasized it a little too much and didn't work super well either. They probably could have ended the game if they were able to commit to the run a little bit more. But kind of is what it is unfortunately they just you know not the best coach coached offense in my opinion <laughs> i guess we'll just leave it at that but uh, 
So we got uh, Jason Gaines. I know the second half of your question is for Jordan. Apologize, I didn't get that before Jordan took off here. Uh, he says, per Spotrack, the Aints are almost $88 million over the 2024 salary cap. Welcome to Cap Hell, Aints fans. Enjoy the suffering. And I'll try to ask this, Jason, next time Jordan's on um, about Stanford joining the ACC and the new Pac-2 conference. I know he's not happy about it. I know that. But uh, Ray Moon chimes in as well. Soul first place, F the Saints. Absolutely love that. We got PV with the $2 saying, I can't believe I took Matt Ryan's deep ball for granted. Watching Ritter try to hit these wide open receivers over 30 yards hurts my heart. Yeah, I mean, at least he's better than Marcus Mariota, but, you know, I, I know it, it's not been great so far. The timing just doesn't I, seem I to never, be good. I never understood where that noodle arm nickname from Matt Ryan haters came from. No. Matt Ryan is statistically like one of the best deep ball throwers in the NFL. Yeah. Very bizarre. Like, I mean, he was—he didn't have a cannon, but he was accurate. So, like, I just died. You can't ever please anyone, you know. It's just kind of how it is in this game. But uh, we also got um, Brandon with the two dollars saying, uh, "There's two games away from you. For the two games away from Kev, Kevin and I meeting in the fantasy playoffs. Let's go Falcons! Yeah, uh, I think I'm set. Except in- going. Am I winning? <laughs> gotta check it out yeah no yeah i, I, think, I, I need to ch- i need to check it if i'm winning this week or yeah no. need a big need a big oh. dub in my dynasty league that's for sure but uh we will we will see how that goes but yeah uh looking forward to the fantasy playoffs as well um I, yeah I, I was starting the falcons defense in all of my leagues so i was i was extra pissed off about that yeah Oof. Uh, about Missing that, that fumble DTD, fumble. Yeah. yeah that would that would have been very clutch um Everyone, obviously in the Falcons fantasy leagues, everyone picked up the Falcons defense pretty quick. So <laughs> everyone was on that one, I think. Uh, but yeah, still still a good performance, but it could have been elite uh, if they had managed to get that. Um, yeah, Adnan, anything else you want to add before we sign off tonight? Um, congratulations to Jake Matthews. He broke Jeff Van Note's record uh, for most consecutive starts in Atlanta Falcons history. This was his 156th. Uh, Big shout out to the great Jeff Van Note, who was maybe the most underrated center of all time because he played for the Falcons during an era when the Falcons weren't very good. Uh, guy who arguably should be in the Hall of Fame, just like many other Atlanta Falcons, you know, legends of the past who have been screwed over because, you know, they didn't play for the Packers or, you know, or one of these legacy teams. But yeah, huge. Huge shout out to to Jake Matthews. It runs in the family. His father Bruce, I think, has to this day has the fifth most consecutive games played uh, in the NFL back for the Oilers. I think it was like a fourteen year streak. Um, but you know, Jake Matthews is an absolute metronome of consistency for the Falcons since they drafted him. The last uh, the last time he did not start at left tackle for the Falcons was week two of his rookie season in 2014 against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, that was after he hurt his leg against the Saints in his first ever game. He missed that week two game. And the last Atlanta Falcon to line up at left tackle, uh, not named Jeff, Jake Matthews. Here's a piece of trivia was Gabe Kareem. Oh man, so, Gabe Kareem. That's a deep cut. <laughs> there's, there's a, there's a deep, a blast from the past right there. But from week three of 2014 on, Jake Matthews has lined up as the starting left tackle for the Falcons in every single game. And it's 2023, so that's that's very impressive no matter how you swing. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I... Uh, just biggest props to Jake Matthews' model of consistency. Just give... People don't, like... I, I feel like people don't appreciate Jake Matthews. Like, look around the league at the disasters taking place at left tackle throughout the league. The Falcons haven't had to deal with that since 2013. I mean, it, it's... Or 2014, I believe, right? Um, or was it 2013? I'm, now I'm getting all mixed up. 2013 was the last time they did have to deal with it. Yeah, that's right. So, like... But then they- yeah, yeah, then they drafted him in 2014. That's right. Because that 2013 season was maybe the worst season of offensive line play I've ever seen. But um, shout out to Lamar Holmes. Uh, <laughs> yep. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. well, Lamar Holmes, by the way, in that game where Karimi lined up at left tackle, Lamar Holmes was the starting right tackle. That's so, right. You know, Oof. Another deep cut, Lamar Holmes. <laughs> another deep cut. Oh, God. Well, yeah. Good for Jake. Appreciate him so much. Uh, really gonna, we're gonna miss him big time when he's gone. So, uh, here's to here's to several more great years of Jake Matthews in Atlanta. But guys, thank you so much for hanging out with us here on this Falcons vs Jets Week 13 post game show. Uh, please like, subscribe if you haven't done so already on the YouTube channel. If you're listening to the podcast after the fact, leave that five star review in your podcast platform of choice. Check out the community Discord server. Uh, check out the channel memberships. Check out the Patreon if you're interested in supporting the show, getting some exclusive perks. Uh, if you play. World of Warcraft, Season of Discovery. We've got a couple uh, Falcons folks uh, playing a guild on the Wild Growth server. So uh, check it, check us out there if you're interested in, in diving, dipping your feet into an ancient game with a new twist. Uh, it's pretty fun. It's good. You know, I, I'm a super nerd. So if you want to get get at, get exposed to that side of me, uh, you know, there there you go. You, you can do so. Uh, we we take all skill levels. If you want to, we'll coach you up. You know, unlike the Falcons, they're not coaching anybody up. We'll, we'll coach you up. So, uh, but yeah. Uh, just a little plug there, but guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, fun, fun week. Um, <laughs> George asks what we're drinking tonight. He's drinking a Lining Lining Hugel's uh, Berry Weiss in Wisconsin. I was drinking a uh, grapefruit and nectarine vodka here because I ran out of beer. Uh, Adnan, what you got? Is it just a water night? I was actually just rushing to get to the show. I, uh, <laughs> I was rushing home, so I, I didn't really grab anything, so... You know, sorry to disappoint George, but I had to, you know, I had to get here. I, I had to get here yeah. quick. I admire the, I admire the dedication, you know, didn't even grab a drink, uh, which we have a lot of takes. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of takes. Sometimes it's good to, to refresh, but I appreciate the dedication from Adnan here. Not, not wasting a single second to get on the airwaves. Um, but yeah, guys, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you. We will talk to you guys, uh, Early in the week when I'm joined by Jordan, once again, for Trench Talk, breaking down this performance. Probably have a lot of nice things to say about the defense, less so about the offense. Uh, and yeah, guys, we'll see you then. Thanks so much for joining us. Falcons 6-6. Six and six. We're back to 500. Let's see if we can keep this train rolling into the playoffs for the first time since 2017. Please, just just I want to get there. Like, I don't even remember what it's like to be in the playoffs. I, just want, I don't even care if they get waxed. I just want to get there and, and just remember what the postseason even feels like this team so our, our last playoff memories keanu neal kneeling the ball up and julio jones not coming down with it on the fade route so yep, you know let, you let's go. create a new i don't care what it is just create <laughs> let's a create a memory. new terrible memory <laughs> at least this we can just wipe that out of our out of our memory that would be perfect but uh guys thank you so much we'll talk to you next time here on the falcoholic live folks have a have a great night